Time for a spotlight on KRWC. Our third Wednesday of each month is reserved for an ongoing conversation with members of the Wright County Board of Commissioners. We rotate through the county board members uh, each month. And in February, our guest is County Commissioner Christine Hewson of Buffalo, who joins us. Chris, always nice to have you on the program. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, Tim. It's good to be here on this kind of snowy day. A little bit. It seems bit. like we usually have weather when we talk. <laughs> a little bit. Now, one time you almost took up residence out here because you were kind of... <laughs> <I did. laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was... That was a surprise, but <laughs> yeah, we had a, quite a snowy day here. That was just last. Yeah. Was that just last year? Um, or two years may, ago? No, I must have been the year before okay. because last year I think I was there in April. It was shortly after we, um, you know, went into the into the lockdown with with the COVID, oh, and right. I was feeling optimistic that it wasn't going to last long. So here we are, yeah. eleven months later, and still dealing with it. But you know, it's it's. The tunnel, tunnel looks brighter now, for I hope sure. So anyway, uh, we want to lead off obviously with uh, we haven't had a chance to talk with you since uh, last week's uh, terribly tragic uh, incidents at oh, the uh, Buffalo Crossroads Clinic, mm-hmm. and uh, you and the county board, just like uh, everybody else, just uh, you know, really kind of dumbfounded by the whole thing and the and the inexplicable nature of it, and and uh, just you know unbelievable, undescribable tragedy. Oh, yeah, it, it, you are so accurate in, you know, capturing, capturing those, those uh, feelings. We, yeah, we, the county board, we got, you know, word that there was an active shooter at the clinic, and it's like, you know, I'd been through active shooter training, and it almost seemed like it was a drill for a second. You know, it doesn't seem real. And... It was a while later, actually a fairly short time later, we um, got word that the the shooter was in custody. So it's like, oh, you know, I had such a sense of relief, hoping that nothing had happened to anyone. And, you know, sadly, then reports started coming in, and they weren't very accurate at first. There was a lot of of different numbers of victims and that kind of thing. But, um, you know, it... As a as a day went on, then um, people were identified, and a lot more information came in. And it's really something when you think about it that the responders there was like 50 responders on scene within a very short period of time, and that I think the sheriff said all of the victims had been taken to the hospital within like 23 minutes. So that's just speaks really to our, to our EMS, to our law enforcement and um, really how, how well trained they are and how, how dedicated they are to go in to a situation that they, they didn't know what for sure was going to, that they were facing. And also I think all the brave people inside the clinic that, really helped save others that may have may have been hurt too so but i mean it's just it's just deeply troubling what happened and and just i continue praying excuse me praying for the victims and families and friends i mean everyone that was at the clinic that day and the employees i mean the whole medical community i think you know every every one of us that 
knows about has been impacted in some way. So, I think but, the, um... you know, at the same time, when you look at the response, and that's, you know, that's been just amazing, too. When I think that it's really important for us not to um, let the actions, the horrific actions of one individual, you know, define what we are as a community, but really the response, and that's been heartwarming the way that people stepped up immediately. They set up funds for the victims. They um, did community outreach. A lot of the churches in Buffalo held prayer services. And when I, you know, didn't know personally any of the victims, but when they showed the pictures of them, the photos, it's like, you know, (laughs) they're sweet faces. And I I just felt like like I did know them. People in healthcare profession are special people. You know, they have big hearts. And I, you know, that that's just makes it sadder, I think. I was just going to say the, um, you know, I think one of the things that it makes it really, really difficult to uh, deal with and, and think about and and contemplate is the fact that, uh, first of all, it happened um, in a facility where we're healing and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, active health care. Uh, is going on rather right. than, you know, I mean, of all places for something of that nature to happen, one of the the last that you might think of would be uh, a healthcare facility, at least in in our size of a community. You know, I'm not talking yes. big city stuff. That probably happens uh, more frequently or, or mm-hmm. attempts to happen. But uh, for us, that was really quite a shock. It, yeah, it, it is. It's just, um, you know, like I said, I think, we're all impacted, you know, some, some at different degrees, but we are all, we're all <laughs> really impacted. And I, I really appreciate that they've, like, the Buffalo Chamber of Commerce on their website, they have buffalostrong.care, and, but they also have, you know, all these different resources. Um, if people are having a, a mental health crisis, I mean, there's there's resources there. Also, just things like checking on your neighbors and, you know, connecting. I mean, texting people that you maybe haven't talked to for a while and you may think, um, you know, need some help. So I think that those, those kinds of resources and um, outpouring is going to be very valuable going forward. And also on the Alina, the Alina um, Hospital, they have the... Buffalo families caring for caregivers, but there's a number of people too that have set up things on that I've, I saw on Facebook. There's many opportunities and ways that we can help financially, but also just emotionally, you know, to to be that connection for somebody. You talked a little bit, or, or kind of started to talk about the uh, the effects on the responders, the law enforcement that did respond, and things like that. Of course, you. Um, have history with with law enforcement community and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and uh, while, you know, they're all very professionally trained and, uh, you know, they go through scenarios like this in training all the time, but I would think for a vast majority of them, that had to be the first actual real-life uh, scenario that played out. Oh, definitely. I mean, I, I can't think of when Wright County would have had anything close to this. Um, I guess, you know, there are, there are 
you know, tragic car crashes and that kind of thing. So, and there, there are help. There is help for people that have responded to those, those critical incidents, and they need care too because it's something that you train for it, but you don't probably really ever expect it to happen. You know, I mean, that's what that's what keeps us going. I think that we're there to do it, but and we know how to what to do and how to do it. However, you don't, you know, somehow believe it's ever really going to happen. I think that's just part of our, part of our, our nature, I think. So. What outside of the sheriff's department, what is the county's role in this now? I mean, you, the county board probably feels, at least to some extent, uh, you know, like everybody else, just uh, kind of, well, we're, you know, all going to have to pull together and work through it. I, you know, the... The incident uh, is, you know, come and gone, but it's going to mm-hmm. take a long time Point. for the, you know, repair of, of uh, psychological and, and effect and, and not only the, the physical aspect of it, too. Yep. yep. Yeah, very true. We've so far, you know, we've just um, county commissioners, you know, wrote a statement that we put in our our website and we also at the county board meeting yesterday we got some department heads and we did you know have have the moment of silence with our we have had the purple ribbons for support and going forward yes i've been thinking about that you know what what active things can we do so it's that's a, it's a good question be something that we need to take care of yeah uh, and I'm sure all of the uh, county board members uh, just as shocked as uh, as you or anyone. But you, oh. I mean, you've been in the community for so many years, and I know mm-hmm. Commissioner Wetter has as well, and mm-hmm. and everybody else uh, that is on the board. I mean, w- when you get an incident like this, we're all just a stone's throw away from each other. Exactly, and you know that's why. I mean, when you look at the outpouring from other communities and people. Coming together. I mean, the 35W bridge was lit up in purple last night in support for our community. So that really shows, you know, the the level of impact that it has. I mean, across the state and really across the nation. I mean, I was getting phone calls from and text messages from people in Washington and Nevada. I mean, different different states checking in, and also, you know, my different people around the state of Minnesota, they're just, you know, wondering if everyone's okay. So, yeah, it, it's, um, it's far-reaching, and I think, I think it really is important to come together. Christine Hewson, County Commissioner, our guest on our spotlight here on KRWC. Let's uh, switch gears a little bit, Chris. Um, there was uh, quite a bit of talk here recently. The board took action to uh, put a moratorium on the development of uh, solar farms for a period of time. Uh, talk a little bit about what led to that and what what the board is doing right now on that. Yep. So what happened is we had a, a provider that wanted to um, do an array in one of our townships, but they weren't willing to put enough um, security down. And what happens with with if and when, you know, these, these farms are um, kind of end of life, which is 
generally, they're saying now 25 to 30 years perhaps. So we need to have the securities in place so if they leave at any time between now and then um, that the county taxpayers aren't responsible for, you know, the, the decommissioning and the cost because it could be very, you know, a very steep cost for that. And, <clears throat> excuse me, so they, when we set up the, it was quite a lengthy process five years ago when we set up the, the ordinance for the solar, and we have, I think, between 15 and 20 different arrays or farms around the, around the county. Actually, Wright County is one of the top producers of solar and tax collectors for solar in the state. And because of, you know, realizing that we need to really kind of take another look at this and make sure that, you know, we've, we've done our due diligence with, you know, the vegetative cover, um, any land alterations, the wetlands, drainage, that kind of thing, and like I said, the, the decommissioning. So with, with one of the first ones that went up in, in Buffalo Township, a lot changed from what they said they were going to do and what actually happened. So they, they said, you know, we're not going to alter the land. It was a beautiful, you know, it's, it's rolling farmland. And they said they were going to leave it the way it was and leave the trees and that kind of thing that were a little ways away. But they came in and really cut, cut down, you know, the, cut down the land. And it was supposed to be preserved later for egg so it could go back to egg. Well, that's not what happened. It was, it'll, never, it'll never be back to where it was because that's, that's gone. So some of those things that happened, and generally there has been a lot of good stories, and it's not all negative with, with the solar, but there are some things that we just need to address and make sure that we're, we're doing the best for our people, our, our, our property, our land, and our taxpayers. As I understand it, Chris, this is a one-year moratorium, but you could end it earlier if you so yes. choose. Correct. Yeah, um, we set up a, actually a, kind of a commission, a solar group to work on it, and it'll be two commissioners, um, um, Commissioner Vetch and Catchmark, and also there's two um, reps from the Planning Commission, and our townships, there's four or five. Also, we have a citizen at large who is in the Cocado area who actually has, is, they're building a second solar farm or array on his property, and um, also for representatives from the solar industry. So they're part of the discussion. And it's, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, you start this and you do your best. And, in fact, you know, we, we thought we had a pretty robust policy. But things come up after five years, and it just needs to be looked at again. And the end game on this is that you want to uh, have a new policy, and then that is uh, in effect for how long, or you, or you haven't decided yet? We haven't decided yet, and right, it won't, it, it won't be a whole new policy. It'll be kind of tweaking the ordinance to make sure that some of these potential problems are mitigated before they happen, and you know, it's, it's 
you can't you can't have different rules for different different providers and so that's some of the things that are happening and I mean there's when you're looking forward at when these panels have have reached end of life there's not anyone that's really doing a lot of recycling of them at this point and that's a big that's a big issue they might I think maybe as technology moves on but it'll it'll improve but I was reading you know one article about the term you know demanufacture and it was um, someone from it was ECF EF E excuse me ECF refining and he's one of they're one of the largest electronics recyclers in the United States and it said that the panels are torn apart mechanically and broken down with acids and I'll read what it says to separate the crystalline silicone and the semiconducting material used by most photovoltaic manufacturers. So there's a lot of, of um, products in the solar panels that just aren't aren't conducive to recycling. And there's a lot of the adhesives too that they, you know, they need to burn. And some of the newer models of the solar panels, they used to have have more um, copper and silver. And so that was something that made it valuable for recyclers. But they're finding ways to get around those using those products. So it's it's kind of a complex issue. You know, it's it's great when you, you know, can capture the solar, but it's mostly mostly in Minnesota, it's in the summertime that you get the best um, you know, return on solar. Sure. Does the uh, state set up guidelines, or is every county on its own to develop their own uh, interpretation of, of how they want to enter into agreements with these companies? You know, that's a good question. I think that um, there, to my knowledge, there isn't real guidelines, and I don't think there's any real federal guidelines either for that. Um, so it is, it is essentially... The counties that are responsible for specifics, like I think there's some general guidelines, but specifics of of how you're going to handle this ordinance-wise. Yeah, and as you mentioned, uh, it's a little different here and probably other areas of the Midwest where they're being developed on, you know, generally speaking, what has been agricultural land. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like a piece of desert land someplace that when right. the end of it comes, it's, it will still be desert. I mean, mm-hmm. this is, you have to kind of think of uh, what's next after that. And there was, I mean, a lot of interest, I remember five years ago, where people saying, can't we put these in gravel pits? And it would be ideal, but it's got to be near a substation. <laughs> so, and often, you know, that's, that's why they end up being, maybe it happens that they're on prime egg because that's where their their substations are so they can connect, you know, to um, the energy source. So that's one of the issues. But, yeah, it would be nice if we could just, you know, find a use for decommissioned gravel pits that we have a number of in the county. Yeah. Let's uh, shift gears if we can, Chris. I know you want to spend uh, a couple of minutes on the uh, COVID situation and the vaccines. I've heard very good te- uh word about the uh, the county's end of that, uh, that it's going very well. Uh, they you kind of drive in, don't even have to get out of the car. Oh, Seems, yeah, it's, uh, it's great. pretty it's, well thought out. It, they really set it up well. Um, and I, I 
when we got our last report, so this was updated last Thursday, they had given out almost 2,000 vaccines, the public health department. So I, I went out there last Thursday to observe, and they're set up in the highway building. So there's big signs. So as you come on to, to Braddock, you can see right away by the, um, the old but it's actually the public works building, but that's where Parks is, the old highway building. There's a sign directing traffic to the back of the building. So you drive in the back. They open the garage doors so they'll get people, you know, when they're set up for their appointments, and they let those people in, and they sit in their car, and the public health nurses do their vaccines, and then when everyone's done, then they open the doors and let them out again. So... It's really very slick, and is I was out there and I said, you know, isn't this nice that we have this beautiful spot to do this kind of you know work? And they were public health nurses were so so happy, you know, that they have that that facility, that ability. Right, and at least up front, anyway, um, you know, the first uh, vaccines that are being given out in general, anyway, are for an elderly population, and they probably uh, like it well, too, that they don't have to do, especially in this weather, to get out oh, and do a lot yeah. of walking, et cetera. Yeah, they had had it in another um, spot for a couple of couple of the clinics, and they, you know, the doors are open. They didn't have the ability to open and close the doors, so, so this has been really great. And anyone that, you know, would like to sign up, it's right on our website. You can just go on the coronavirus Click on that, and it's a little sign-up here if you're 65 and over and live in Wright County. And then you'll um, kind of be on their random selection list. And there's also a phone number I can give if people want to call. Not everyone has Internet. And that's 763-682-7607. Right. And as uh, more and more vaccine is available, I would imagine that, I mean, on, right now it's kind of on a however many doses they have mm-hmm. uh, are given out basis. But as that improves, then this may run more days a week and things like that. Yes. And they last last Thursday, um, they were giving out 400 vaccines. So that's significant. You know, that's a significant number in a day to run that uh I think there's 12-hour shifts. They're doing two six-hour shifts mm-hmm. per per group. So, well, that's yep. uh, and, good news. You know, and cases are going down. I mean, you know, we've sadly had over 12,000 cases, but you know, with our population, that's you know, it could be it could be much much worse than that. So people have people have been doing what we need to do. Christine Hewson, Wright County Commissioner, with us. Uh, before we uh, let you go, we want to spend some time on a, a new program that has been developed by the county board, a new uh, economic development uh, authority, uh, the EDA, and uh, tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, about a year ago, we started um, a discussion about a potential EDA. We were looking at, should we go with the um, Economic Development Authority or Housing and Redevelopment Authority with Economic Development Powers. And um, a lot of the discussions started because we're looking at um, 
marketing essentially our property, and we you know wanted to to um, you know have good guidance for the re- redevelopment of where the current government center is and the health and human services properties. So it took a long time for us to kind of figure this out. One of our value streams from our strategic plan was to shepherd economic growth. So we had the options, you know, should we go with HRA or EDA? And HRA, you know, you can buy and sell property, you can issue bonds, you can make loans and grants. You can carry out federal housing programs. You can construct your own housing and utilize tax increment financing and leverage property. And um, the EDA has all the same powers as an HRA, but it gives you clearer authority for the economic development and more flexibility on loans. And you can act as a limited partner in projects, and you have the authority to establish development district and economic development districts. So we decided to go with that. We are not going to be a taxing authority, but we, in addition to developing our properties or redeveloping, selling and redeveloping them, um, we also you know, want to help our cities and townships if they're interested. And they, they do have to... Um, you know, actually pass resolutions to be part of this. And like I said, we're not we're not going to tell any cities or townships, you know, what they should do or shouldn't do. But they can elect to participate if they'd like, and and hopefully that can help them with with some of their development things that they might not be able to accomplish on their own. And uh, what's the next steps? Now this is a fairly new authorization that you've entered into, and yes. where does it go from here? Well, we, we um, had our meeting this month when we actually um, passed the bylaws, accepted the bylaws, and we will then next month ratify those bylaws. So the people um, on the committee are, um, or the authority, I guess you should say, are the five commissioners, and we also have a person from economic development who is Bill Kern from the city of Delano. He's a Delano administrator. And also um, Terry Lockemeyer, our mayor. So those are the seven people that will sit on this um, EDA. And our next meeting, we're going to gather together the information that we can take to the cities and townships to present to them. And that way, you know, they can, they can if they want to opt in, you know, that's great. And if they don't, that's fine too. That's That will be up to them. All right. Well, lots to uh, watch and talk about in the future on that, and we'll certainly uh, keep posted with other commissioners as they talk with us monthly. So Yeah, definitely. We're out of time, Chris. I appreciate you uh, talking with us today, and um, best of luck to you and the whole board in uh, dealing with all of the various things that come up all the time. So. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much. We will uh, talk with other commissioners here uh, next month and the coming months. And in the meantime, they, uh, I usually would say the door is always open, but in COVID, I'm <laughs> gonna, you got to say the phone is open, <laughs> I guess. So. Yeah, it's so nice we can communicate this way anyway, right? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Have a great day. Yeah, you too, Tim. Okay. Thank you. Thanks. Christine Hewson, Wright County Commissioner, a guest on today's Spotlight on KRWC.